the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We are live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. My name is Chip the Block, and I'm your host. And we're a group of law enforcement professionals to talk about today's news and issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And I'm going to introduce the crew. Guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show, we have Sergeant Joe Rollerson from the state of Florida on the northern side. Also, Corporal David D. Gresta from the Tampa Bay area. So thanks for being on the, on the show, guys. Appreciate it. Also, a shout-out to our sponsors. We have Aero Precision. We have Galls, AUFire.com, Gunlearn.com, BlueTheGold.com, and MyMedicare.Live. Also, a shout-out to Brian Burns for the free press at TampaFP.com. Thanks for carrying our content, Brian. And Ray Dietrich of RedVoiceMedia.com. We're streaming the uh, eight locations right now, actually, but three of those belong to Red Voice Media. Those three Facebook pages alone have about a million followers. So thanks to Ray Dietrich and Red Voice Media for helping make that happen. Guys, we've got a great lineup for you. You know, I'm in Plant City right now doing a live broadcast, and the Strawberry Festival has just started. So let me tell you, getting to and fro here for the next week or two is going to be a nightmare. Uh, but it's all it's all good. You know, we're going to start off with the main topic. Our main topics have a tendency to be a little bit deeper. And this one's on Police One. A judge blocks a Texas law that gives local state law enforcement powers to arrest migrants who illegally enter the U.S. So he blocks this Texas law, allowing local and state law enforcement guys to take care of business, especially since the feds are not doing it. So let's see what we got here. Austin, Texas, a federal judge on Thursday blocked a new Texas law that gives police broad powers to arrest migrants suspected of illegally entering the United States, dealing a victory to the Biden administration in its feud going on with Republican Governor Greg Abbott over immigration enforcement. Now, the preliminary injunction granted by U.S. District Judge David Ezra, remember that name, pauses a law that was set to take effect on March the 5th. Texas officials are expected to appeal it, though. Now, opponents have called the Texas measure their most dramatic attempt by a, uh, a state to police immigration since a 2010 Arizona law that opponents rebuked as a, quote, show me your papers bill. Now, the Supreme Court partially struck down the Arizona bill, but some Texas Republican leaders want that ruling to get a second look. Now, the lawsuit is among several legal battles that are going on right now between the state of Texas and President Joe Biden's administration over how far the state can go to try to prevent migrants from crossing the border. They say migrants. I say illegal aliens. I don't know what our panelists think, but that's what we have, guys. What do you guys think? What's the word out there? Drastically affecting how local law enforcement is able to uh, uh, to enforce this federal uh, the federal statutes, David. You know, it's an ongoing battle, and and we'll see what the what the higher courts come back with. I mean, the, there's there's arguments on both sides. I mean, supposedly the federal government is is responsible for immigration and and border security. Uh, and all that. But um, in this case, I mean, places like Texas are starting to having to take matters into their own hands because the feds aren't. Um, There's appeals going on. There's several lawsuits having been filed uh, about this and about uh, the law that was in Arizona. They did something similar. Um, There was several things. So it's going to be a mess until the 2024 election. And uh, that's, I mean, they're doing what they can, but God, good luck to him down there. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. Sergeant Joe. Well, where's the common sense in this country? I mean, it's just been thrown out the window. Um, anybody in this country that has any common sense looks at this and goes, what the heck is going on? I mean, the, the whole key is illegal and unlawful. Uh, these people are violating the you know our laws in this country by just coming in here. And then we have a a judge that's saying, eh, it's okay. You know, you can violate our laws. Well, if these people can violate 
our immigration laws. Why can't other people violate other laws in this country and get away with it? Why, why is, I, I don't understand how this judge is, is looking at this, but like Dave said, it's going to go to a higher court. And, and fortunately, uh, you know, the governor Abbott there, he's, he's, he's in the fight. Uh, and he's trying to protect not only his sovereignty of his state, but also the United States citizen. He's trying to protect all of us because every one of those dudes that he keeps from coming in here, you never know what, what they're up to. But uh, this is this is going to be appealed. And I, I think they'll win it on an appeal uh, because the federal government is not enforcing the federal laws and the states have a right to protect their borders when the federal government refuses to do so. Now, I know they came out and said this civil rights groups and everything um, are coming out saying this is something uh, like during the Civil War. This has nothing to do with the Civil War. This is uh, this is an invasion from all over the world, not just Mexico. These people are not coming here for asylum. They're coming here to violate our laws. And uh, I mean, they're they're violating the law just to come into the country. You know, looking at some of the streamer comments and we've got, of course, this is Butter is, is watching. Uh, but we've also got um, Chris Madison saying that this is when Texas should give the middle finger to the judge and uh, says that you have no authority. Uh, we passed the law legally and we'll enforce it. And then, we, of course, we got some other commentary. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bill Van Rom saying that, Chip, please refrain from such offensive terms. The White House new term is newcomer. So we can't say illegal, <laughs> you know, aliens or, you know, the migrants is a pretty soft uh, word. But, uh, yeah, these, gotta, gotta these, that. these, uh, these terms that they come up to describe these individuals is just crazy. I mean, it's yeah. like we're, you know, it's just like any, I mean, we all know what it is. That, that'd be like calling a rapist, uh, you know, well, he's not really a rapist. He's just sexually deprived individual or something. Yeah, I, there you I, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, all, all they have to do is, is, is look at what, what's starting to happen in these places where these governors, the wise ones are transferring these illegals to look at, look at, look at what's happening in New York. These, these packs, these gangs of of these illegal immigrant newcomers. I'll throw that in there for you, Bill. <laughs> um, yeah. You know what? What are they doing? They're they're ganging up and they're attacking our society, attacking law enforcement, trying to trying to exert their own will, their own culture, their own way of doing things on on this nation, on on wherever they land. And if you think that it, this is going to oh, it's just, it's going to stop. That everybody will act. Yeah, no. No, it's not. It's going to get worse. So when you see a governor like Abbott, DeSantis, um, uh, you know, these border governors that are taking action and sharing the wealth with these so-called sanctuary cities, these idiots uh, that have no common sense, you, you see what's going on. Just just watch. It's coming. More of it. Well, I mean, I get it. You know, when you have the president of the United States and the whole admin and the federal government uh, not enforcing the border laws. I, you know, I, I get it. There's a question mark out there. I, I respect. It's not, there's no question mark. There's no question mark at all. They, they are, they are looking. They are simply looking to build a new voting base. That's it. Absolutely. Well, look, they're yeah. already starting. They're already already starting to allow illegals. But you vote. still have the feds refusing. So yeah, you've got a judge that a, a whacked out judge that's backing. And I was surprised it took this long to have a whacked out federal judge backing up the Biden administration. But um, no, I, I, I get it. It, it would be. The it's, way it should be is like should come from the top down. It's not doing that. So 2024, 20, um, like everybody's just, done, but you got to hang on. You got to hang on until the 2024 election. Well, that's Trump gets back in office. And it's, it's the, big, it's the biggest 2024, David. It's the biggest uh, deportation uh, uh, act in, in, in U.S. history. 
Hey, take take the uh, what do you have like a uh, seventy six thousand uh, IR, or um, IRS agents that that just got hired or and, and, and move them to the uh, border patrol to 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 hunt down hunt down maybe that's a bad term to track down the illegals and the boot them out of the country that would be that would be great. well what gets me Chip is you know my my ancestors uh, you know had to come in here from Italy. They had to yeah, do it. We, we lowered our standards for and your ancestors. They were, you know, well, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they had a hard time filling out the application. They just uh, felt sorry for them, you know. And, uh, but the thing about it is, is, uh, you know, these people, they just come in. We have no, and the, the other big thing is not just the security risks. Uh, also, the, the problem with these people are not uh, going through any kind of medical screening. Right. And if you notice, that uh, these uh, diseases that we haven't had in the United States in, in years and years and years, that now all of a sudden they're starting to crop up again. Because these people are not only bringing, uh, we're not only bringing criminals in here, uh, not all of them, but some of them, and you see what's going on, but also they're bringing diseases with them. And uh, uh, I agree, this Abbott is doing the right thing. I applaud him. And uh, the, guy, the guy is unbelievable that yeah, he's standing he up. He has the cojones to do what he's doing. He needs our support. All Absolutely. right. Moving along. Lawofficer.com. A sheriff's sergeant arrested after reportedly writing several inappropriate letters to a teen <laughs> inmate. It happened. Now, look, this is a little close to home to where I'm at, Pinellas County, Florida. So not, not far away. And, and actually, Joe, don't you live in Pinellas County? Or are no. you are you where are you at? What what county are you in? Or nah, you I'm, I'm north of there. No. You're north there. Ah, yeah. dang it. I was, I was hoping there would be some kind of a tie in there. All right. So uh, in Pinellas County, a sheriff's sergeant in Florida working at a juvenile detention facility has been arrested after. Now, we, we should have a drum on this one because it's not a male. It's not a male sheriff's sergeant. Yeah. Thank you, producer Jimmy. It's a female. After she reportedly wrote several inappropriate letters to a 16-year-old male inmate, Sergeant Caitlin not that Caitlin. It's the other one. Caitlin Gomez. Sergeant Caitlin Gomez. See, I got you thinking, David. Sergeant Caitlin Gomez, 27 years old. So she's young, but she's charged with a single count of solicitation of a child to engage in an act that constitutes sexual battery by person um, in custodial authority. Pinellas County Sheriff's Office said, look, it's time for a first commercial break. This story's wild. Stick with us. It'll be worth the wait. Commercial break. We'll be right back. All right. Well, certainly by now, you guys are familiar with the new goals at goals.com slash Leo, the country's leading uniform clothing equipment and gear provider for law enforcement. They have a, a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights, the duty boots and tactical gear. And as our panelist, Captain Brett Bartlett always says, they pretty much have everything for law enforcement except for guns and ammo. So if you haven't checked out the new goals lately, please go to goals.com slash Leo and check it out. And hey, you don't have to be law enforcement. And, and David, I know you're a huge fan of goals. What in the world's going on at goals right now? Do you know? 20% off plus free shipping wow. on all orders of $75 or more. You got to love that, you know, and hey, not just for law enforcement, military and our host dragging brethren, the firefighters, they're in on it too. So goals.com slash Leo. And yeah, their uniform program is second to none. Even my former agency, the Tampa Police Department has a goals office on the second floor lobby of Tampa Police Headquarters. They are absolutely killing it. Goals.com slash Leo. Don't wait, guys. Don't wait to check it out. Check it out now. Now, introducing Aero Defense by Aero Precision at AeroPrecisionUSA.com, a beacon of durability, dependability, and all-American craftsmanship in the realm of duty rifles. So born from an aerospace engineering company, so you know they know what they're doing. Aero Defense by Aero Precision demands perfection because settling for anything less is not an option when your life is on the line. Visit AeroPrecisionUSA.com for a lineup that matches 
every discipline. They have something for everybody. Since 1994, they've quietly led the AR Builder parts domain, but now they're making waves in the complete rifle arena with Solus Bolt actions. So stay tuned because the M4E1 Pro and the Mod 4 handguards are hitting AeroPrecisionUSA.com later this year. The embodiments of duty rifle excellence now being tailored for the civilian, that's you guys, the civilian customer. In addition, their M5 AR-308 platform, which is a great sniper platform, that's nothing short of spectacular. So don't settle for less. When you can have the best, go to aeroprecisionusa.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We are still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, we left off talking about a Pinellas County jail deputy female deputy running <laughs> got jammed up for running i guess very uh very uh well not just suggestive but enough to be criminal love letters to a uh to a juvenile sergeant caitlin gomez 27 is charged with a single count of solicitation of a child to engage in the act of a constitute sexual battery by a person and custodial authority it's a serious it's a serious deal pinellas county sheriff's office made that announcement on wednesday so once the sergeant was taken into custody she was booked at pinellas county jail according to the fox 13 tampa bay now they interviewed her. Listen to what she says. So according to the agency, PCSO, approximately 10 inappropriate letters allegedly were written by Gomez, our female deputy, and they were discovered in the 16-year-old inmate's bed at the juvenile detention center in Clearwater. Now, the letters explicitly described what would take place during their first sexual encounter and described an ongoing relationship which had developed uh, while the victim was incarcerated. And he even they even had, he even had a photo of the female deputy um, in his cell. Now, Gomez, 27 years old, has been assigned to the 16-year-old boy's pod at the Pinellas County uh, Regional Juvenile Detention Center for about three weeks when the letters were discovered. So it didn't take long. Gomez was interviewed by detectives and admitted to writing the letters. Despite being instructed never to be alone with an inmate, Gomez was discovered solo with this teenager several times, according to officials. She also told detectives that she fantasized, you guys are going to love this, she fantasized about having a sexual relationship with the juvenile inmate, and she planned to build a life with him once he was released from the detention center. Wow. All right. That's all I got. I can't say yeah. anything else on the air. No, none, of the, none of that stuff matters in the least, and here's why. Let's go through the, the timeline on this. Um, the, the article, from what I can tell, was published at the end of February. She began working at this facility on January 5th, so she was there she was there for a, approximately approximately two months, a, a month and a half. She was working there, give or take. Um, and in that time, she wrote these 10 letters in that six, six to seven week period. Okay, let's, let, let's focus on that for just a second. Now we step back one more step. And I've been talking about this for I don't know how long on, on several stories. She's 27 years old. She's a sergeant. She, if, if, if she started working in the criminal justice system when she, when she was 21, that means she's been in the system for six years. That puts her starting work at about 2022. COVID was 2019. We talked about this over and over and over again about the degradation and the lowering of standards post-COVID you know, during the COVID thing, people that they were hiring, what standards were they were, were they using? How how much were they um, vetting these people like they should have before they put them in these positions? You start looking at this. Like I said, I've gone over this. I don't know with how many stories. I want the questions answered. Where did these people come from? How did you vet them? 
what what system did they go, go through? What hiring process did they go through? And you keep seeing this type of stuff cropping up in this age of employee, right about the same time. And you and that, that you I don't care what they've done wrong, but you start doing these numbers, doing the math, going backwards, and I guarantee you, you'll find it just like this every single time. Thanks, David. Now, now, Joe, you actually have a corrections background, and I just wanted to ask you how many love letters you wrote the juvenile female uh, teenagers while you were in the corrections system. Well, I I never worked in a female facility. I always worked in the male facility, so uh, there wasn't too many women in there that I could. Now, there was a few guys there that, uh, you know, that yeah i worked uh i worked up at rayford uh there wasn't too oh, many no. dudes up there you could be writing letters to uh, <laughs> they were writing uh, letters to you joe that's the way that was working <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know this the, what amazes me is uh they the females should be working with the female juveniles they should not and i've always said this when i was correctional officer, but I was a correctional officer back in the late seventies. Uh, that was many, many years ago and things were completely different back then. Uh, they, uh, they didn't allow females to work with men and they didn't have the men working with the females. Now they did have male correctional officers in, in the state female prisons, but they were only there for pretty much muscle and to assist the females. Um, and like you said, they should not have been ever alone, and she was alone. So who was supervising her at the time? Yeah. And and like you said, uh, yeah, the good thing here, at least there was only ten letters in her bed and in his bed, and she wasn't. You know, they only found the letters. <laughs> wow! <laughs> but but this this is you know, it's really not funny because what this does, this reflects on all all law enforcement. People read this one article, and then they you know they categorize every all the cops and correctional officers. And like Dave said, you hear this way too much. Not only here, you see it in our in, in our schools as well. You see these teachers that are 24, 25 years oh. old oh, yeah. starting sexual relationship with these 14, 15, 16 year old kids. And it's just people are people are, are just they're made out of a different mold today. You didn't hear this years ago. Remember Deborah LaFay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, Listen, and it, 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 think, the other question is, where was she before this? If she if she just started working there in January, where mm -hmm. was she working before? Yeah. And are we going to be going back to see what was going on there? Because uh, this doesn't sound like it was her first rodeo, as no. far as I mean, ten letters in that amount of time. She 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 acted pretty quick when she got into that juvenile facility. So uh, yeah, where did she come from, and how did she get hired? Mm -hmm. That's my question. Oh, look what do you see what Bill Van Rom just wrote wrote yeah. Uh, yeah I mean no this one right here yeah I saw it <laughs> I oh wasn't gonna comment on that. Bill I can't even read that on the air come on <laughs> work with me work with me uh -huh. all right uh anyhow move <laughs> moving along yeah if people want to see what he wrote watch the video portion of our show uh I put it up on the screen all right moving along here and we've got just seconds uh I'm going to, I got about 30 seconds to get into this. I'll kind of whet the appetite here. We got a story with a video component. Look, with a video component, we'll describe in great detail what's going on so you guys don't feel like you're missing out on anything. And you know, our show is live Monday through Friday during the lunch hour, 12 to 1 o'clock Eastern. But we take the live show, we'll embed all the videos that we talk about, put pictures of the good guys and the bad guys, and we'll upload, upload that to our Rumble channel called Leo Roundtable the very next day at 9 o'clock in the morning. We do that Tuesday through Saturday. Um, so the next title, Helicopter Thermal Camera Helps Deputies Find and Rescue a Missing Child in Swampland in Florida. 
Hey, I think I got her in the woods. Yeah, she might be able to hear your name if you call her from now. She's going to be about, I'll say about 80 feet in front of you. I got two deputies. Yep, just keep walking that direction. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, guys, if you're struggling with the ins and outs of warrantless searches and seizures, or if you're worried about the liability of getting it wrong, say hello to bluetogold.com. They translate search and seizure doctrines in the clear, straightforward concepts that any officer can relate to. Plus, they give the training for free thanks to bluetogold.com's free weekly webinars. Now, this week, they talked about planes, trains, and automobiles, and they still have next week coming up, too. So sign up at bluetogold.com today and join thousands of your peers in blue and step up your legal game because, frankly, you and your agency cannot afford not to. All right. Now it's time to talk about AU Fire at aufire.com. It stands for Accuracy Under Fire, and now agencies can prepare their LEOs for the mental challenges associated with being wounded on duty, forcing them to adapt, problem-solve, refocus, and overcome to effectively neutralize the threat. Now, aufire.com has the only option to safely prepare LEOs for the instant, intense, random, and distracting immobilization of a body part associated with a debilitating wound. So go to aufire.com, check out the cool videos, learn about the product, aufire.com. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby. Meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays. Find plans that your doctors accept and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, MyMedicare.Live. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live in the Boss Hawk Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, this story is a special request from Sergeant Joe Rollerson. So, yes, we're at Rumble, our favorite law enforcement video channel called This Is Butter. Helicopter thermal camera helps deputies find and rescue a missing child in swamp land. So sheriff's deputies in Florida use thermal imaging, which is very, very cool, by the way. Um, they use these cameras on a police helicopter. In fact, they're pretty much outfitted with all helicopters pretty much around the uh, around the country. Uh, law enforcement related, and uh, they were trying to locate and rescue a missing five-year-old autistic child in the swamplands of Tampa. Now, I actually learned a thing or two from this article. So around 5 p.m. on Monday, February 26th, HCSO, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, very familiar with this agency, did a lot of work with them. Their sheriff is Chad Cronister, a great guy. Their aviation unit was called in to assist deputies in locating the child who had wandered away from her family's home in Tampa. Now, Tampa is within Hillsborough County, uh, but this happened um, I'm, uh, I'm sure outside the city limits of Tampa and within the boundaries of Hillsborough County. So thanks to thermal imaging technology, deputies on the ground located the girl in less than an hour, which is incredible. They're able to make a safe contact with her on the ground. Fortunately, she was unharmed and swiftly returned to her 
um, to her home and her family. Now, the girl was found walking through a heavily wooded wetland area, and when the aviation unit located her through the thermal imaging, she was actually headed at the time towards a body of water, which could have been disastrous, right? So Sheriff Chad Cronister explains that people with autism are drawn to water, and that underpins the importance of finding her before she reached deep water. I was actually not aware of that. He also explained that trying uh, that trying search efforts for autistic individuals is complicated by challenges with communication, which, of course, I am aware of. So uh, I thought it was a great article and a great uh, a feel-good story and also important for, you know, people to realize, you know, yeah, we cover a lot of stories, use of force, you know, we're shooting, chasing, you know, thumping bad guys. But when stuff like this goes down, and you better unmute that microphone, Joe Rollerson, when stuff like this goes down, it's, it's a great, uh, it's a great, it's a boost for police community relations as well. Sergeant Joe. Yeah, I, I saw this and it just, uh, you know, like you said, we're, we're always talking about unfortunate uh, situations with law enforcement uh, where we're having to use force and and, uh, and force is being used against us. But this, this article really kind of touched me when I saw the little girl. Uh, she was about knee deep, actually, in a swamp. I mean, she was in a swamp. And um, it, it, even the, it was just unbelievable. This little girl hadn't been bit by a moccasin or, or drown. Uh, they, the, the effort on the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department is very admirable. They should be commended on, on, on their efforts and the equipment that, that is supplied to law enforcement is being used appropriately. And, uh, and these little girl, this little girl is so lucky. And if you saw her, she was, she was just happy as a, she was as happy as a lark, man. Uh, and she was just, the deputy was hugging her and holding her. Uh, great, great, great story. And it was just made me feel good that this is what law enforcement, a lot of times you get to be involved. I, I mean, I'm sure Dave, all of us have been in these situations where it, it ended well and made you feel good. And you felt like you're making a difference instead of just, you know, like a dog chasing its tail all the time, never being able to solve the problems in the world today. But this was a good, good outcome. Yeah. It, listen, on on all state on all sides, it was very positive, and the the sheriff's office did a did a good job. Very, uh, very expeditious. I mean, they, they got on it right now um, as they should for something like this, and and the outcome was then positive from that. Able to get a a, a helicopter in the air, and a lot of times you, you, with agencies being side by side like this, Tampa and Hillsborough, Tampa, the city of Tampa being within the boundaries of Hillsborough County, you'd get a lot of cross. Um, cooperation, you know, or we can't get our helicopter up. Can you get yours up? And and these guys work together and, and do this sort of stuff quite often. Fantastic. But I smiled because I, I once they I went to the body cameras, once they went to the body cameras on the ground, you see the deputy come up to where the, and you, you hear the helicopter or the guy in the helicopter, the pilot saying, Hey, I've got an image. I think I've got her. She's about 180 to 100 yards right in front of you. You keep going in that direction. She's directing the deputies to her. They get there. They're on gr dry land. And she's out in this swamp, and you see the deputy going, I don't want to wait out there to get her. Come here, honey. Come here. Come on. He's come like, to come me. The He's like, I don't want to get in that swamp. Then she 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 goes, she comes right over and he picks her up. But he's kind of you know, the Hilbert County Sheriff's Office, they wear white shirts. And so he's kind of he's kind of holding her off of him just a little bit, going, Oh man, getting the mud on him and stuff. And of course, I'm seeing this, and I know because then they're done that. You know, you're kind of going, Oh man, I gotta get in this mud. And sure enough gets her back and he's kind of holding her in such a way. And inside, I know what's going through his head. I'm laughing, but still, you know, they, they were there. They did a good job. Good, good outcome. Um, happy little girl. She was, you know, Oh, the deputy's coming to get me. Wonderful. It was, it was great. So is it still true guys 
that the sheriff's offices have the the coolest equipment. They have the best stuff out there compared to PDs for the most part. Not anymore. No. Well, it used to be that HCSO got all the equipment and well, TPD. They and and the TP, all, TPD yeah. got the money. They got the equipment. <laughs> yeah. All right. So David left TPD, went to work for Pasco. And so that's why I was posing that question. Not so anymore. Okay. Moving along, guys. Let's see. We got. We have another story with the video component. Uh, and we're all right. actually this one on Police One. Uh, so we've got a in New Orleans, actually. Police capture a murder suspect who escaped after a pepper spraying deputy and stealing a car. Wow, uh, not just a car, a, a cruiser. This goes down really quick. In fact, I think I've, uh, I think the, uh, I think it was like less than a minute of the video. But in New Orleans, Leon Ruffin, the murder suspect who escaped from custody two days ago by pepper spraying a Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office deputy and stealing a marked patrol unit, was rearrested on Tuesday at a hotel in New Orleans East, according to the Jefferson Parish Sheriff uh, Joseph Lapinto. We've heard that name before. And look, this is probably. Uh, by now at, uh, you know, on uh, This Is Butter, which is at rumble.com. I know this was like a, a, a news story, I believe, that was covered on Police One, which is why I have it here. Um, and I'm sorry, This Is Butter, I, I, I didn't have time to get with you last night and completely forgot to later on. But earlier on Tuesday, the sheriff released surveillance footage of the escape and roundly, now this is the, the, the sheriff is, 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 is vindicating, supporting the officer involved in this. So I'm curious what everybody thinks. Um, so, the footage of the escape and, uh, you know, the the sheriff is defending the deputy's action, calling Rufin an animal or bad guy, an animal, suggesting that critics of how the incident was handled apply for jobs on the police force themselves. So Rufin, our bad guy, 51 years old, had been held at the Jefferson Parish Correctional Center in Gretna since his July 21st arrest in the shooting death of his longtime friend, Kanan Johnson, who was 53 years old. And so our bad guy, uh, Rufin, was awaiting trial on charges, including second-degree murder, and he pled not guilty to the homicide. He reportedly suffered a seizure. This is where it gets it goes sideways. So our bad guy acts like he suffered a seizure. I'm going to say allegedly acts like it. I think it was dramatized. Sunday afternoon while at the jail, he's taken to the Austin Medical uh, Center West Bank. He was not handcuffed, and he was not shackled during the trip, which blows my mind because he was in a wheelchair still. And he had an orthopedic boot still, you know, wearing an arm sling. Four excuses, but anyhow, the sheriff's investigators, however, suspect that Rufin was purposely faking the injuries. Yeah, David, did you think? Now, in surveillance video recorded by the hospital, the deputy can be seen stopping her. So we have a female deputy. It's all I'm going to say. Stopping her patrol car with an unshackled, un, uh, unrestricted bad guy that's wanted, you know, that's going to murder for, you know, going to a trial for murder. Stops the patrol car just before 7 p.m. after the bad guy creates a disturbance in the back seat of her patrol unit. When the deputy opens the back door, the bad guy, uh, he had already removed his boot. He pepper sprays her. He had pepper spray. They don't know how he got it. And he shuffles to the driver's seat as she scrambles backwards, firing three shots. So on the night of the escape, authorities were not even sure whether uh, he had been hit, the bad guy. But the sheriff's officials confirmed on Tuesday that Rufin was not shot in the skirmish. Again, female deputy fired three shots when this goes down. And he goes around, gets in the driver's door that she had left, I guess, unsecured or left open and drives away in her cruiser. The deputy could have ignored Rufin's screams for help, the sheriff said, but she decided to act with compassion. David, I'm sure you're going to be all over this. This animal took control of the situation and took advantage of her trying to be a nice person and trying to do a good job. That's what Sheriff Lepinto says. 
Now, more than 200 law enforcement officers from several agencies, including the Sheriff's Office, State Police, and the U.S. Marshal Service, and the FBI, mobilized after the escape to search for a bad guy named Rufin. Sheriff's Office quickly disables the radio inside the deputy's vehicle to prevent him from using it to evade authorities. Yeah, he had a radio, too. The patrol unit was recovered in Algiers with about, within about three hours. Investigators are still trying to determine how he obtained the pepper spray. The deputy, still in possession of her department-issued pepper spray, stun gun, and service weapon at, after the escape. Investigators tracked our bad guy to an unnamed hotel in New Orleans, and Rufin was taken into custody by the New Orleans Violent Offender Warrant Squad and the U.S. Marshal Service. Those guys are freaking awesome. Uh, and they were executing search warrants at the hotel as of Tuesday evening. All right, that's what goes down. We got less than a minute. Less than nope. a minute. There's no way we're going to get this in well, less we'll, than a minute. We'll yeah. We got yeah. time to come back to it after the break. Yeah. Let's start. You know, I, I appreciate the sheriff saying, you know, backing his people up. But when you make a comment that, um, unfortunately, he gamed the system in order to take <laughs> advantage of the situation. He gamed your system, dumb, you dunce. Um, <laughs> it's just amazing that, yeah. uh, like I said, it, it, we'll get into this in detail when we come back. This is a failure of their security system transporting all the a, way down the a line. person oh, to yeah. and from. All the way right, down the This is about to get really good. Stick with us. We have a commercial break. We'll be right back. All right. You know, guys, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition or how much you think that you know, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, though, they've taken the confusion of learning. They've actually made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and the only company that offer a step-by-step -step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, by law enforcement agencies, and also firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that LEOs, that's law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training, or you can sign up to attend a live seminar. And you can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at GunLearn.com. You'll be glad that you did. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We are still live from the Boss Hawk Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, we left off talking about Sheriff Lepinto's uh, female deputy uh, that was transporting a... Uh, a defendant that had been charged with murder is getting ready to go to the trial, but he, we believe that he faked a uh, medical oh. incident to get in the car. Believed? And, well, the oh, sheriff's yeah. office, they suspect Duh. that he may have, but oh, anyhow, he's unrestrained in the Wait, car. Wait, I can't breathe. Stopped. I can't breathe. Yeah. And, uh, and he goes, just ringing any bells. He gets away. David, take yeah. it from here. Ridiculous. You know, this is a total <laughs> failure of, of security and transport. You have to again. The details matter. If you if you read the article, it says very clearly that he was in a wheelchair with some sort of a boot on his on his leg and a sling on his arm. So that got him to the hospital. But he wasn't in a wheelchair coming back. He was in the back of a police car coming back from the hospital. So chances are, you know, and you don't have this guy in handcuffs. I don't care. You have him, and he's a homicide suspect, and you're transporting this person to a hospital. Under obviously BS circumstances, oh, I can't breathe. Where have we heard all this before? And and then on the way back with a single deputy, still no handcuffs in the back of a patrol car or a, some sort of patrol vehicle. Um, it, the whole thing just smells the high heaven. And like I said, God bless you for backing up your deputies, but it's a failure of your 
procedures that caused this. Total failure of those procedures. Joe, having been in corrections, please go ahead. Well, I'm going to go back about 25, 30 years here at TPD. We had a similar situation where we had a homicide suspect and Ricky uh, and Randy, you guys remember them, transported a a homicide suspect in a vehicle unhandcuffed. Or no, he was handcuffed. They didn't search him. They didn't search him, though. Yeah, tell us, we have a lot of listeners that are familiar. So, yeah, TPD stands for Tampa Police Department, and that's in Hillsborough County, Florida. And he's talking about uh, Detective Ricky Childers and Detective Randy Bell. Mm -hmm. And our bad guy was Hank Earl Carr. And um, yeah, he ended up killing uh, like five people that day. But uh, they didn't search him. And this is the problem with this situation. There's two things. First of all, you got one female officer, doesn't matter female or male, you got one officer transporting a homicide suspect to a hospital. Secondly, they never searched him. Who searched this guy? I mean, you, you always search somebody before you put them in the car, take them, you know, you put them back in. Yeah. Um, apparently not. Ahead, but, uh, but this is so, so familiar with what happened at Tampa police where uh, you got a bad guy. She is so lucky uh, that she wasn't killed or he killed someone else. And it's a failure of the policy of that department uh, to instill in their officers to properly search those individuals, search the cars when they take them out. And uh, because if, if she had searched him or searched the vehicle, this would have never happened. And the dude should have been handcuffed. I don't care how injured you are. Hell, we we sir, I mean, we handcuffed guys we just shot. I mean, they're, yep. they're handcuffing them on the ground when they're shot just to make sure they don't grab a weapon or something else. But uh, th- this was a failure and policy all the way. And I, I know that the sheriff's trying to back up his officers, but uh, uh, they need to revisit their policies. And if they need someone to review it, call me. Yeah. Butlers. They use butlers all the time. Yeah. You know, you know, the, the, the belt around the waist that's locked, the, the slightly longer right. handcuffs that attach to the belt so that you, you can't, you don't have to be behind your back, be in front. You, you're talking about corrections transport. He's coming out of the jail. So they don't search him mistake all the crap you can get in jail you know that he if if he didn't the question the only question i have left is where did he get the 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 canister of mace was it already in his boot when he was at the jail and he brought it waiting for the opportunity to use it they or was it in the back seat of the car was it or, in the car accidentally somewhere didn't, back there? didn't they they didn't check the inside of his boot they didn't mm-hmm. check the sling on his arm whatever it was all those things the answer we don't have the answers to that but where did he come up with the mace was it at the hospital or was it already did he already have it on him when he left the jail? I had a seizure. You know, so I'm going, yeah, okay. I don't think so, brother. I, again, total failure. There's so many questions here where the ball was dropped many times where this could have been totally avoided well, by just thing, a little bit of security and, and checking. The other thing, Dave, uh, I was watching the video, and it is pretty blurry. But if you look, as he gets out of the car and he starts spraying mace, she's running in the opposite direction shooting. She should have went towards him and shot him. That's what she yeah. should have done. Uh, like I, mean, I said, I, I I can't speak to training or preparedness or anything like that. She's she walks around the car just like it's oh, what's he screaming about? Not ready for what's coming. Yeah. It was totally she she he caught her totally off guard. Mm-hmm. So again, the mindset people, a murder suspect is not somebody that wrote bad checks. This isn't this is somebody that's going to hurt you if they get the chance. And the attitudes about it and oh, transport, she's being compassionate. Yeah, yeah, compassion. I got your compassion. 
okay. Uh, no. The incident that uh, Joe Rollerson was talking about to our audience, uh, Ricky Childers, Randy Bell. Um, yeah, Hank Earl Carr was in the back seat. Um, and uh, I can't remember the exact charge. I know it was a firearms-related charge, but they handcuffed him in the in the front. In the front. Yeah, he killed. Seat, was he had no shot. Case. He had shot his. Uh, he had shot kid. his. Yeah, he shot his small child, his girlfriend's kid, or something like that. They had him handcuffed in front. Right. Yeah, they had so, him handcuffed in front, and he had a. Plus, he had a the thing against me, he had already on him a necklace. So he had already the, tried to escape earlier in that day. Yeah. So while yeah, the, they had already taken him to out, undressed his handcuffs. Detective Ricky Childers sitting in the front passenger seat. Uh, was uh, well known for wearing a shoulder holster from Sullivan's, and uh, and uh, so he leans forward and he and so while Detective Randy Bell is driving, he's fighting with Ricky Childers, gets the pistol, and I don't remember who he shot first, but he shot and killed both both detectives that we all knew. Rick, Ricky was shot first, and he shot uh, Randy. And but then, this is the bad. This is then he gets to the bar and he drives down the interstate, and then we've got an FHP trooper on an overpass trying to take him out, and he shoots and kills that trooper. And uh, then he ends up dying at the end of that. But that was a, uh, it was a, a bad, bad day. day, bad day. Hey, um, there's one thing I want to cover real quick before we uh, wrap this thing up. We got less than three minutes. We've got a uh, update article, but at the title of this, at least it's a, it'll, it's going to be better than what we just covered. Lawofficer.com. Chicago police officer files a lawsuit for the right to change race after the department allows personnel to change genders. Brings up a good point. Chicago police officer Mohammed Yosef. So uh, I was surprised with the last name wanted to change the race. Reportedly had only three race selections, Caucasian, Black, and Hispanic, to choose from when he was hired by the department back in t- uh, 2004. So he listed Caucasian uh, on his official record. Now the city offers over nine different racial designations for incoming officers, but it refuses to allow Yosef to select the nationality that he believes more accurately reflects his ethnicity, according to a federal lawsuit uh, that he's filed. So the civil action also claims that the city has allowed employees to change their gender based upon how they currently identify, even though it conflicts with their birth gender. Therefore, Yosef is suing the city after he's refused his request to alter his identified race, according to the Daily Beast. Now, Yosef is 43 years old, currently identifies as Egyptian and African-American, not Caucasian, according to the federal civil rights lawsuit. And uh, the Chicago Police Department is allegedly prohibiting him from altering his race designation on his official record. We have a minute and a half left, but it's going to be a good story to end with. Sergeant Joe. I, I think he's got every right in the world. Um, I mean, why not? Um, yeah, apparently, uh, he also indicated he showed statistics that uh, that uh, minorities were being uh, promoted uh, and Caucasians weren't. So he's, he wants yeah. to be in that category that that's getting promoted. Also, he apparently is at the top of the promotional list, but he's being passed over. Uh, he's saying because he's Caucasian, but yeah, what does it? What, yeah, what does it matter uh, to the city? In fact, he took a DNA test from what I read in the article that showed that he was yeah. African American and Egyptian, and they still are refusing for him to change his Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, you bet, you baby. I hope he. T- I hope he runs it. I hope he rams it right down their throat. It's a beautiful thing. Title Five Civil Rights Act sixty four. He he should absolutely wipe them out on this. It's absolutely beautiful. Coming back, they're getting what they what they pushed out there. What Chicago has done with all their diversity BS, and now it's coming back to bite them. And I absolutely love it. The only thing missing is Lori Lightfoot, David. What Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice oh no, my God, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Maybe she'll come back. 
Maybe that made her reappear in Chicago. That'd be hysterical. <laughs> oh, that would be scary. Oh, that's oh. nasty. That's All nice. right, we are we are out of time, but hey, thanks guys so much for breaking this stuff down. Some of this stuff uh, wasn't necessarily easy to cover, so I appreciate it. Um, hey, I also want to take this time uh, to mention the Wounded Blue at thewoundedblue.org. It's uh, Lieutenant Randy Sutton's uh, 501c3 that he founded, the Wounded Blue, and they're helping cops out in the world of hurt. So think, suffering from things like PTSD and other issues that uh, officers are not getting assistance on, even from their own agencies, or maybe they're not even being offered retirement disability outs. And also, they have the guitarsforcops.com. That is still going. And for $1,000, you can get a guitar signed by one of your favorite country music artists. It's just a fantastic opportunity. I know, Joe, you were talking to Randy, I think, yesterday about that opportunity. And uh, I expect to see you get one of those guitars. So, look, guys, uh, check it out, thewoundedblue.org, and also guitars, the number four, and then cops.com. Also, a shout-out to our sponsors again. Please support them, Aero Precision. Gauls, AU Fire, Gunlearn.com, BlueTheGold.com, and MyMedicare.live. Also, the free press at TampaFP.com, RedVoiceMedia.com. Hope you guys have a great weekend. See you back Monday, 12 noon.